2: Friday edition of OutKick 360, hour number two, about to begin the VolQuest Power Hour, which will take place in the final hour of the program each and every Friday, right here on the OutKick Network. Shout out to Blackbird Studio, our host. We are here each and every day, Studio G, live from Nashville, Tennessee, theblackbirdacademy.com for more information on how you can attend a school strictly for audio production studio engineering, and everything behind the scenes, theblackbirdacademy.com for more info. Some NFL draft news before we get started with the Tennessee Power Just
3: coming across from Adam Schefter via Twitter, Dolphins are trading the number three overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers for the number 12 pick, a 2021 third-round pick, which was San Francisco's compensatory pick for Robert Saleh's hiring, and first-round picks in 2022 and 2023—a oh. ridiculous haul. Dolphins really collecting more and more. They've had a lot, and they've got a lot, uh, and they're getting getting more. San Francisco uh, moving up to number three, getting the quarterback of the future there, and the end of Jimmy G. I think that would be the presumption.
2: Yeah, you don't you don't give up. All of two that. future first round picks to move up and not draft a quarterback.
1: Yeah. With so that value. Is it, now, who is it? Is it Zach Wilson or Justin Fields?
2: Well, Zach Wilson's pro days today, um, where the Jets at number two were saying that it's he could still potentially be their guy. Yeah. Based on the pro day, which is interesting, um, because the news is that Sam Darnold's their guy again. It's it's March.
3: Well, here's a wrinkle. Where did uh, the Jets coach come from? Jets picking number two. So we know what's happening number one. You don't know what's happening number two. But the head coach of the Jets is a good friend of yours. So you might have some insight into what's happening number two, where they're leaning number two. And so picking number three, you might know the two guys who are going to be off the board and what you're going to have the opportunity to pick. Sure. And we've heard. You know, uh, Greg Cosell thinks the Jets are sticking with Darnold. Um, But also somebody now could come up to go to number two to get the the Jets are sitting pretty if they are sticking with Darnold in terms of, hey, you want the second quarterback in this draft? Come to us. San Francisco is getting the, the second quarterback in this draft at least or maybe the third at number three. Tennessee Power Hour
2: here on Outkick 360 as we welcome in Austin Price of VolQuest.com You can follow him on Twitter at Austin Priceless. Austin, hope you're doing well.
0: I'm doing well. Brent Hubbs in absentia today, but that's okay. We will hold down the fort without him. There'll just be less movie references and <laughs> less talk of Luke Perry.
1: Yeah, and uh, no Easter decorations behind Austin on the video, which Brian, surprised Mike. me. Just a master's portrait up behind you, Austin. I'm, I'm a little surprised we're not celebrating... Some holiday, even if it's uh, out of season. I'm
3: picturing a Christmas tree with pastel eggs hanging off of it.
0: You know, uh, I thought about it, but I decided just <laughs> to stick with what I know best, and that's Augusta National.
2: <laughs> hey, we're, we're going to get to all things spring practice and Caden Salter in a moment uh, with the suspension there. Let's start by recapping the Tennessee Volunteers basketball season. Uh, and the early exit in the NCAA tournament. Your, your overall thoughts of the way they performed in Indy last weekend, and the fact that they were a one and done against Oregon State.
0: Very disappointing.
2: I thought a disappointing year. I understand what Coach Barnes was saying. Like you, you
0: want to you know appreciate the fact that this team got to the NCAA tournament. That's a good thing that this program is now to a point where you know the bar is set. You know that you know you want to make the NCAA tournament every year, but when you continue to bring in really you know talented players like Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Josiah Jordan James the year before that this coming year with Kennedy Chandler and Jemai Moshack like to me you you want to you know take that a step further they've got to find a way to take the step as a as a basketball program they're going to be okay at the wing going forward even if they lose you know Keon and and Jaden Springer to me, they've got to find their point guard, which they have done that, but I think you need to find a little bit more help there as well. It can't be all on Kennedy Chandler. And then they've got to find help in the post. If John Fulkerson comes back and is a uh, more like John Fulkerson we saw as a junior, then I think that Tennessee you know, obviously would not need as much help in the post. But to me, they still need an athletic post that can help them, that can, it can really kind of stabilize the interior front court, can protect the rim. That's something that Eve Ponds gave you. You won't have him going forward. So who's going to protect the rim going forward in the next year? To me, there's a lot of questions around this Tennessee basketball program right now. It, it, the coverage's not bare, but they've got to figure out some things through either the spring signing period or, um, you know, going the, the transfer route to be able to sure up some spots where they're probably a little bit weak.
1: Well, and that's where I was going to go with it, Austin. It, it seems like you know, maybe crossroads is too strong of a word, but Rick Barnes in Tennessee had their most success bringing in maybe some overlooked prospects and developing them. Now they bring in two one and dones They didn't get the desired results, especially in the NCAA tournament. They've got the number one point guard in America coming in. It looks like they've solved point guard if he's as good as advertised. What do you think happens with this roster? Is it back to the transfer market? Is it a reevaluation of what they're doing? How does Kim English's departure in terms of recruiting, how does that affect them moving forward? How do you think Rick Barnes looks at this situation and how is he going to change or adapt moving forward, or will he?
0: Well, I think you you hope that he adapts in some form or fashion. You know, Rick's a veteran coach. You know, Nick Saban probably wouldn't have won a national title and, and stayed at the top of the mountain had he not adapted. If he was still trying to play games, you know, 17-10, Would Alabama be what Alabama is? I don't think so. So I think, you know, all coaches need to evolve. Look at Bob Huggins. He evolved his game instead of that kind of, you know, almost bad boys defense, you know, kind of, you know, bully, you know, type teams that he had. Now they spread it out. They shoot a ton of threes. It's totally different uh, with him at West Virginia than it was with him at Cincinnati. So I think, you know, all coaches, especially the good ones, and Rick Barnes is a good one figure out a way to evolve. And so I think you still look at the transfer market. I think you look and see what high school players are available, potentially who could uh, reclassify. Obviously the kid in Pennsylvania, BHH, um, Brandon huntley Hatfield. He, he's someone that I think that Tennessee's in a really good spot with. I think if he were to pick Tennessee, he probably would reclassify and, and be here for this upcoming season. He is a, an athletic post player who can help protect the rim, does those type things. Uh, you know, the Shack kid Tennessee's already signed. He's a really athletic defender um, that, you know, blocks shots and, and and can play, you know, that, you know, three-fourths position or the two. Um, so, you know, Tennessee needs to find some help to go along with Kennedy Chandler. You know, they've got to get more consistent play from Victor Bailey and, and Santiago Vascovi. My question is, is can those guys, can they do it? I mean, they, you know, they're almost liabilities on defense. And if they're shooting it well, they're great. And if they're not... They are a detriment to you because they continue to volume shoot. So, you know, Tennessee, you know, going to dip their, you know, feet into the transfer market, especially in the posts. Um, I, I think you could potentially look at the West Coast for a guy that you know potentially could come out of there. Continue to hear rumblings. Don't want to drop the name because the kid's not in the portal yet. If we continue to hear rumblings out of the West Coast that uh, you could end up somebody somebody coming from the the you know, western side of the United States, you know, you know, back east. I um, mean, Tennessee could be a landing spot for him. Um, Tennessee is going to continue to look at guys. I don't think Walker Kessler is a realistic option at this point. Um, of course, Tennessee didn't really factor—you know—they were early in factoring in his recruitment, but not late. Um, and when he's leaving North Carolina, and everybody's pinpointed him for Gonzaga.
2: Austin, maybe it's extremely unlikely at this point, but are there odds that Springer or Johnson could return if they don't get the feedback from the NBA that they're looking for? I just don't think so. I mean like, you know, I I
0: think Keon is going to get drafted so high or be projected so high that like I just don't think he can come back and then someone who is um, you know, you know like Jaden Springer, Jaden doesn't really do anything poorly. Um but I don't think Jaden necessarily does anything great and exceptional either. Like and that's like You're really kind of projecting off potential. Can they, you know, can an NBA team take all the stuff that he does well, which is a ton? You know, he rebounds the well for a guard. He shoots it solid. He obviously has good vision and passes it. He can play point if you need him to, but he's also kind of a tweener. Like you know, he's not a true point guard, but he's kind of small for a shooting guard. Um, You know, what do NBA teams tell him, and does he want to come back to college? It's kind of been his plan all along to go to the uh, to the NBA after one year. Um, I would be shocked if he did. I would probably be less shocked if Keon Johnson came back out of the two, and I think he's at a point where he's going to be projected at right now some of the latest mocks are just outside the top five that you just can't come back.
3: I know a lot of fans may say, who cares? Um, but I'm wondering to what degree you think the, the, the talk of Barnes as a tournament failure and his deficiencies in that department ultimately wear on him. Uh, we know his personality, but in the back of his head, every time he, he comes home early from, from the tournament, does it, does it get worse and how much is it rattling around in there for him?
0: I don't think that it really, uh, I mean, maybe I guess internally, it might, you know, be something that he thinks about, but you know, as you reference Rick's personality, just does it lend itself to thinking that like that this really bothers him a super ton. Would he like to go further? A hundred percent. You know, would, would he like to, to, you know, cut down the nets and the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament and win a championship? A hundred percent. But I think Rick's very comfortable in his own skin, very comfortable with where his career has gotten to. And so I don't think that, you know, he hangs on any particular game or any particular win or loss. And so, you know, for me, I, I think that coach is coaching because he loves to coach and because, you know, he knows that if it ever becomes a burden, he could walk away and be very comfortable in retirement. You know, I think he coaches because he loves to impact kids and he loves to uh, just just coach and, 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 you know, it keeps him young.
1: So we're just getting heated up in the VolQuest Power Hour. When we come back, Josh Heupel just completed his first practice as Tennessee's head coach. There's news with a star freshman quarterback being suspended. Henry Tohoto, Covarez Crouch, where does it stand with them? So
2: much to get into as we continue. Another segment with Austin Price of VolQuest.com straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 of the Tennessee Power Hour alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul, the big headline across the NFL. Monster trade for the NFL draft. Miami trading out of pick number three. San Francisco has moved up and in the process... They gave up the 12th overall pick this year and two future first-round picks.
3: Just a haul for Miami, which turns picks it got in the Laramie Tunsil trade into even more. Uh, This is patriot ask, where you turn a pick you acquired into more picks, into more picks, into more picks. Um, Very good work by Miami, but also tells you, I think, Miami's in on Tua. Uh, Well,
2: they said they would be, at least for another year, and it tells you that San Francisco is in on one of the top quarterbacks, Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. And out
3: on Jimmy Garoppolo. Justin Fields. Which then, I mean, they're all kind of tentacles here. So is San Francisco now out enough on Garoppolo that he ends up on the street? And then uh, the obvious landing spot for him is New England, where Bill Belichick had success with him when he stayed healthy. And, you know, can he facilitate that offense with the new weapons in a better way than Cam Newton can? I, I, I would say he, he can. Um, you know, and then that would eliminate uh, New England from needing to fish for a bigger quarterback, and they're drafting a, a little bit lower. Um, and these quarterbacks could all be gone. We could see quarterbacks gone here in, you know, four of the first five, five yeah. of the first six. Um you know, it's going to be a quarterback, heavy, top-heavy draft.
2: Will be a mad scramble for sure coming up in late April for the NFL draft. Uh, the, the scramble is on to find some players who are available for spring practice who are under scholarship right now at the University of Tennessee. And uh, one of their top recruits among those not on the field due to suspension, Chad, Caden Salter, not available right now.
1: Yeah, what's the latest with that, Austin? Uh, you look at Caden Salter, the other players suspended, Um, What what is going on there? How how long do you think this will continue?
0: Well, you heard Josh Heipel yesterday say, like for right now, they are kind of in a situation where, you know, until the university acts on it and decides what they're going to do, all those players are in a bit of limbo, and you know, uh, it's not ideal for Caden Salter, but to me, it's not ideal for a guy like Isaac Washington. Isaac Washington, to me, one of the more talented players that came in here early. And, you know, it, it's coming into a situation where one of the top schools that were recruited him besides Tennessee was Auburn and Rodney Garner. And so Rodney Garner comes in with a familiar face that's a young kid that he can mold, and all of a sudden he's not here right out of the gate. So, like, I think that it hurts a guy like Isaac Washington. It obviously hurts Caden Salter as, you know, realistically, every quarterback on this roster was at, at, you know, at the baseline. They were at you know, the ground zero. Nobody was ahead of anybody else. And so Caden Salter had a chance – to come in here and, 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 you know, kind of do what he does, which is lead, play confident, um, you know, run around, make some plays, use his athleticism, and uh, right now he is not. Earlier today he was training at D1 Knoxville. Um, you know, and the hard part for Caden Sultan, you don't know where the young man's mind is at. If anybody knows his story, his father came down with COVID, um, was in, has been in UT Hospital ever since the weekend that Caden moved in back in January um and, and was on a ventilator for quite some time has uh, you know thankfully and then you know um praise everybody that he came you know came off the vent and has been doing better and uh you know but the whole family's been up here like this has been a, a real tough time and then you know so I, who knows where his not mind is at mentally um you now it's not excusing what you know any of those kids did um but at the same time you know we all make mistakes especially as a 17 year old kid because was not originally named guys in the the, the original report because he's underage. Um, finally, you know, you know, Hypo, when asked if he was out there yesterday and asked why he wasn't out there, divulged that he was part of the uh, group that is indefinitely suspended. So, not ideal for anybody, including Aaron Willis and, and Martavis French, who are the other two. Um, but, you know, you hope that, you know, Tennessee's going to say, okay, you guys made a mistake. You guys are going to you know, do internal punishment and figure it out, but you guys are still going to be part of this football program because, as you know, you guys noted, Tennessee does not have a ton of depth. They don't have a ton of bodies. And even some of the ones they do have are you know, coming off offseason season surgery and not available for spring.
1: So Henry T. and Quavares Crouch, fair to say now, Austin, that they are not going to be a part of this football team. And, and what happened with both of them? I know Crouch was there and working out. Now he's not around. Henry T. came back and uh, maybe left. What is the latest with both those players?
0: Well, for, for both, you know, Tennessee is, you know, looks like the you know they're in the rearview mirror for, you know, you know, Tennessee's in their rearview mirror. They're moving on. Um, I know Josh Heupel didn't totally close the door yesterday, but at the same time, if you weren't back here uh, for the start of spring ball, to me, if you weren't back here at the you know, start of March, you, you probably weren't coming back, but, you you know, you let practice begin without you. I just don't see any way these kids are back. Um, and you're right. I mean, Crouch worked out with a couple, you know, for a week or so with the team, then left. He's been kind of, you know, people have been talking about Michigan State around him. Henry's had different, you know, there were some people talking about Ohio State. I've also heard potentially Florida. Uh, it doesn't seem like Alabama, which was the original kind of thought to be destination for Henry. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if you're Josh Heupel and and, you know, the staff, much like when we talked to the assistants a few weeks ago, Chad. You have to worry about who's in your building. You can't get caught up in worrying about who's doing virtual learning 12 states over.
2: So is Henry T. in the building? Is It reports where he was working out. Um, are, are, are they waiting on him in any way possible right now?
0: No, I don't believe he is here. I believe he he, he came into town. Uh, I know he had spoken with several of his, of his teammates. He spoke with Tennessee. He spoke with other people that I know of, and and at least was toying around with the idea. I know Tennessee wanted him to come out of the portal to go through spring. Here's the thing you have to think about, Henry. Henry, when he come out of high school, didn't show up till the summertime, so didn't go through spring then. Last year, COVID hit; didn't go through spring there, and now he's not going to go through spring again. Like you know, so like to me, that's hurting himself. I think. You know, if he came back for spring, part of me thinks he was, you know, at this point he was just coming back to go through spring practice and then leave again. Um, but who knows? You know, ultimately it doesn't look like he's going to go through spring. And, uh, yeah, I think the kid's only hurting himself no matter where he ends up. Sure, he could, he'll end up at another top-end power five program. But I think you're hurting yourself. by uh, missing out on all these practices.
3: Um, I believe UT's got 11 guys who exercised the uh, additional year that's available to them because of of the COVID crisis and that that's the highest number in the sec. Does that say a lot about Heupel to you or is it more contextual based on who those guys are? A little bit of
0: both, Paul. Um, You know, I think some guys, you know, relish the chance to come back and, and and play in an offense or play, you know, under a certain coach. But then I think some guys, you know, knew that, you know, they either were going to go down a level and play or, you know, they weren't going – you know, they were going to be out of football and not, you know, able to play in the NFL. So I think that, you know, Tennessee going to use some of these – like a guy like Matthew Butler, have a chance to learn under Rodney Garner something that he really looked forward to and, and really gravitated towards once he found out, you know, Rodney Garner was going to be a defensive line coach. And, 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 and of course, that was after the NFL draft thing had come, come and gone. But I think he was kind of hoping that Tennessee was going to land a defensive line coach that could help him. Um, you know, I mean, that defensive line group, I think we said it a week ago, <laughs> for last year, man, they've had basically a substitute teacher, and we all know what that means. It means that, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of accountability, you know, when it comes to uh, doing things both on and off the field. And uh, so I think these defensive linemen are,
2: are getting a rude awakening
0: with uh, with Rodney Garner, who knows how to get it done.
2: Austin Price of AllQuest.com with us for the Tennessee Power Hour on Outkick 360. Austin, with the coaching change, there will be players who benefit just from getting a fresh set of eyes on their overall skill set as spring practice begins. Who do you who are the one, two, three players that you think can make an initial impression on a new coaching staff that could not get over the hump with the previous regime? Well,
0: I mean, I think there are players that maybe played under the previous regime that will see potentially more playing time with this current staff. You know, the fact that William Martinez brought up Theo Jackson tells me Theo Jackson is someone that William Martinez likes gravitates towards. So I, you know, I, I think that you know Theo Jackson's a guy that could potentially see more time under this new staff. Um, offensively, you know, where does a guy like Kenny Solomon play? You know, Kenny's a track guy; he can run. That's something that really resonates with this offensive staff. He was a defensive guy two years ago. Remember, I had that interception and the kind of garbage time, in and in a, in a kind of a, a lesser game. Um, then you know. Was on offense at the latter part of last year. Like, where does this staff play him at? I think he's going to start at receiver. We'll see, though. I could, could he have a potentially a former walk-on who had offers to go to Louisville and a few other, um, you know, programs coming out of high school, but chose to walk on here. He's now a scholarship guy. What does a guy like, you know, you know, you know, Kenny Solomon do? And then to me, the the position that I think you see more activity at with this new offense is tight end. I think Princeton Fant, yes, he played, but I think he could be a much bigger factor. Same thing for Jacob Warren and then a young guy like Miles Campbell. I think tight ends will get more run in this offense from a pass-catching standpoint and not just, you know, you know, pers- you know, two tight end personnel
2: where they're, you know, trying to, you know, line up and just, you know, block um, than they ever did under the last staff. I know the, the anticipation for this offense is it's going to be extremely up-tempo. Um how fast can they go right now out of the out of the chute, so to speak? How how quickly can Heipel get this offense up to the speed he would like to play with on game day? Well, I don't think they
0: know how fast they can go yet. I mean I think right now they're in just kind of the you know, you know, they're getting all the ingredients out, you know, and putting them on the counter to try to cook. Like they they I don't think they have any kind of you know, thought process on how fast they can go. To me, a lot of that di- is dictated by the quarterback, what quarterback wins the job and how fast that person can go and how much he can retain and, and spit stuff out. So, you know, I think a lot of it depends on who wins the quarterback battle and, and which one of those guys can do exactly what the, uh, the offensive staff wants him to do.
1: Austin, of the true freshmen that are on campus and participated in practice yesterday, Who's the most likely to have an immediate impact on this team for Tennessee?
0: Well, he's not a true freshman, but it's going to be Tyon Evans. Uh, you know, I think both he and Jalen Wright make the most sense. And don't forget about a guy who's a Nashville guy, Walker Merrill. Uh, I've continued to hear good things about Walker Merrill. You know, he was you know played at Brentwood. I think they're going to use him a little bit differently than Ron Crawford and 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 Brentwood used him. And I think you will get to see the full repertoire from Walker Merrill. Maybe not something you saw when he was at Brentwood because of the offense they run and how they used him. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if you're know, coming out of spring or even early in fall. Everybody's going, wait, wait what? Walker Merrill? <laughs> where did he come from? I thought he would redshirt this year. Like, I think that potentially he could be a guy that helps this football team. And then, you know, I still go back to Tyon Evans. I mean, he looks the part. and He's got high hopes, and he's motivated coming out of JUCO.
1: So Austin, one quote from Josh Heupel uh, that was refreshing was he was talking about rebuilding and uh, what it takes to get things going quickly. There wasn't a lot of hedging about, oh, this is a three to five year process. He said, it's my job to get things going as quick as possible, but also trying to understand how you implement what you want to do and don't rush it. Um, What do you think just early on impression of Josh Heupel and not just speeding up the offense, but... How maybe he's going to try to speed up the rebuilding process with Tennessee and instilling his program.
0: Well, I, I, there's no talk of year zero, you know, and uh, you know, I, I, and I think there probably should be. If if any coach that's come through here in the last 15 years deserve to be able to call it year zero, it is Josh Heupel, and so um, you know that's that's kind of where this thing's at. I think he's handling it the right way though, because I think the more you don't talk about year zero and you kind of just attack and don't let the kids feel like that they have kind of a buffer year, I think you might get more out of them. So I actually like the way he's handling it, you know, vocally. He's not talking about the things that, you know, well, you know, I know we're not the most talented team. I know, you know, we have less depth. I know all the reasons why they shouldn't win. He's talking about the reasons they should win and should compete and should turn the corner quicker than people think. So I think that's a good way. Look, if it don't happen, it don't happen. But I think for anybody um, it's for, and for specifically Josh Heupel, it's all about trying to instill the right mindset. He's tried to build these kids up in the off season uh, with, with kind of positive reinforcement and letting them, you know, you know, feel good about themselves and the positives that are going on in the program. And I think that's been good for these kids because I think that, you know, they were kind of, you know, Beat down a little bit, so I'm really interested to see how all this goes going forward.
1: Yeah, we've all seen the pictures that Tennessee posted, Austin. Of uh, you got Mike Vrabel and John Robinson bracketing Josh Heupel, uh, watching Trey Smith. You've got Mike Vrabel working one on one with Trey Smith. A lot of talk about the Titans' GM and coaches working with the with Trey Smith and Tennessee. But just watching pro day, what what was your big takeaway? Was it the big man and Trey Smith or? Did someone else really impress you?
0: Well, we weren't able to go to Pro Day.
1: You know that—that's you know something that
0: you know we weren't able to go do. I know Trey Smith impressed. I was you know happy for Josh Palmer. He ran it, 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 as fast as he thought he could run, or maybe a touch quicker. Four five one, four five three. Um, you know, he's somebody that again I think can get it on an NFL roster. But the one thing he doesn't necessarily have that Mark West Calloway did is the special teams experience. I think that goes a long way you know, for a guy like Marquez Callaway, because he played special teams and can help as a, a gunner or a returner. And, um, you know, I, you know, Bryce Thompson to me also someone who could, I think from a work ethic standpoint can get there. I'm not sure he's going to be drafted real high. He's never going to run that well. He's kind of a football player. So can he get on a roster and do enough to impress, to wedge his way in and, and earn a spot? Outside of that, you know, it, it's kind of slim pickings. I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot, you know, at pro day.
1: So Austin, when you look at recruiting right now for this upcoming class, I would say that uh, it's been, I don't know if slow is the right word, but uneventful so far for Josh Heupel. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good or a bad thing, but what is the hottest ticket item right now with Josh Heupel, with this staff, with who they're recruiting the hardest?
0: Well, I, I think that the, the, the hottest ticket item that they're selling is opportunity, which is what every Tennessee staff has sold for the last 15 years. Um, you know, as far as recruits, you know, uh, Tennessee continues to be a good in a good spot with Keaton and Destin Wade out of Summit High School over there in the mid-state. Um, they continue to, you know, I think, you know, be in a good position for several in-state kids. Now, they're having to play catch-up for guys like Isaiah Horton, Dallin Hayden, Jordan James, Cam Miller, You know, but I do think that they are in a good spot, like with a guy like Giovanni Davis out of South Pittsburgh. And, um, you know, this is a a, a staff that is starting to branch out. They started so much of what they focused on the first month was in-state for the class of 22. But I think you're starting to see them branch out and do more things outside the state of Tennessee, kids in Mississippi. You know, know, they love to be a a real factor for Branson Robinson, a really big-time running back out of uh, the state of Mississippi. He's thought to be going to Georgia, but at the same time, Georgia just picked up Malachi Starks yesterday. You know, where, where, do, you know, where, where do the Bulldogs stand for Branson Robinson? I think that probably helped Tennessee's case a little bit with Branson. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be a, a factor for Taven Jackson, the quarterback out of Indianapolis. They're going to be a factor for Addison Nichols, the offensive lineman out of Greater Atlanta Christian. You know, Tennessee's going to continue to branch out, um, you know, in, in surrounding states but specifically Georgia, the Atlanta area. They're in on a couple of different defensive backs down in the state of Georgia. They're they're trying to work Florida. I always think that that's a bit of a pipe dream. I know this staff has ties down there. They all came from UCF. But at the same time, give me some kids that Tennessee's pulled out of the state of Florida that were more than just average players, Chad. Uh, I mean, Kurt Majip, good, solid player, not great. You know, Corey Vereen, good, solid player, not great. You know, you can keep going right down the line. A lot of these guys, even if they found the field, they've just kind of been good, not great. So, like, to me, Tennessee, you know, yeah, right now they're in a position where they've got to be able to take, you know, just some good players, but they've got to develop them into great players. Uh, Because right now, Tennessee's not exactly the hottest name out there in recruiting because of all that's gone on and the uncertainty over the
1: investigation. Well, and unfortunately for Tennessee, they've been very lucrative in the transfer market for other programs. Great players leaving Tennessee and going to other places. Do you expect Tennessee to reverse that trend, maybe even post-spring, where they become active members of that transfer market, bringing scholarship players in? I think
0: it's possible, but here's the one thing you got to think about. If Tennessee is going to have to self-impose or they're going to have to take some scholarship reductions, they've got, I think, four spots left for the 21 class. Is it not smart to go ahead and offer those up? I mean, who are you really going to get out of spring? If you're getting somebody that you know is going to help your football program as a starter, as a contributor, as someone who can help you win football games, yes, you take them. But if you're not, if you're just taking kind of a body, I think you're better off to not. I mean, you go back to Jeremy Pruitt's first class, and he took a lot of bodies late in, in, in his class, whether it be Keller Christ, Madre London, you know, uh, Brandon Davis, you can go right down the line, Cedric Tillman. I know Tillman played a little bit more here lately, but I mean, they took a lot of just bodies and, and how much of, you know, how many of those bodies actually helped Tennessee, especially the two tr- grad transfers in and Kristen and, and Madre London, they didn't win football games for Tennessee at all. And, and I, they, you look back, Tennessee shouldn't have taken them.
2: Austin, what's the schedule moving forward for spring practice in Tennessee?
0: They'll have practice tomorrow um you know then'll they'll have a couple of days off
2: they'll basically Tuesday Thursday Saturday Tuesday
0: Thursday Saturday now they will have to make up the one practice from this past Tuesday when they missed because of you know so many covid uh, positives and they were trying to recover from that um, but you know other than that it'll basically be Tuesday Thursday Saturday with that one practice you know sprinkled in I think next week though they actually will go Tuesday Thursday Friday they will not practice Saturday the day before Easter and give their kids a chance to you know either go home and spend Easter with their families or you know just kind of regroup uh, so I think they'll practice on Good Friday
2: well here's hoping that they get outside so the reporters and everyone at Ballquest can actually <laughs> yeah. get out there and get a look at this team because the, the you're restricted if they go indoors for weather
0: that's right we are I mean it is what it is I you know I, I do I think it's ideal no um you know but at the same time like Tennessee is, is doing more than what anybody else is doing about trying to get media back to practice. I think part of that's because they know that they need to be able to sell the football program, and us not being able yep. to see anything doesn't really help sell it. But uh, give Bill Martin a guy that doesn't want any credit. I'm going to give him credit anyways because he's been very proactive. Josh Heifel's been very open to, you know, Tim Banks or Rodney Garner or whoever coming on the nation uh, with Chris Lowe and myself. Um, you know, they've, They've let all of the, the new you know, staff members talk to the media in, in Zoom sessions. So they've been very proactive about selling the football program, which includes us returning to practice.
1: Are they going to be active, Austin, about letting you watch something other than stretching <laughs> uh, in the first period of practice? Will you be able to watch a little more practice now? I do think that we will be able to watch more practice. I don't think that like it'll be a, a
0: crazy amount. Uh, that's just kind of the, the the way they do it now. I mean, I remember a time, Chad, when I sat in there in Nealon Stadium and watched scrimmages, and John Painter and Bud Ford sit up there, and they took stats. And at the end of the scrimmage, you saw that Daryl Vereen had run for 44 yards. You know, um, you know, before he they moved him from running back to linebacker. So you know, you you, you kind of understand that that's the territory you're in. But yes, I do think you'll see
2: more than we saw, uh, whether it be with Butch Jones or Jeremy Pruitt. Austin Price, VolQuest.com is the website. Look forward to Brent Hubbs being back with us next week as a part of the hour with Austin. Uh, Check out the website all weekend. Great spring practice coverage and features uh, galore uh, across the board. Austin, great stuff as always, man. We will catch up with you next week. Always enjoy this. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. And uh, Chad, nice Georgia shirt.
1: Yeah, thanks, Austin. Always representing. You know, I love my Bulldogs. It's all about huge I Isaiah Wilson. Wilson fan. Yeah, yeah it's that's really right. just in support of him and his stellar pro career. That's what it's all about.
3: So uh, remember, the Titans had the number one pick. They traded back to what, fifteen or sixteen with the Rams. Then 12. they came came back up to eight, in order to get Jack Conklin. Those trades were spaced out. Dolphins aren't wasting any time, so they just traded from uh, three. 12 12 and now they're back to six in another deal with the eagles so a lot of activity going on all at once we'll tell you what it means getting scrambled
2: live reaction to this big trade across the nfl where the eagles are now picking 12th the dolphins picking sixth and the 49ers picking third we'll tell you what it means next on outkick 360. Outkick 360, Tennessee Power Hour Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Wrapping up the show with the breaking news across the NFL. We we now have a new top 12 order, draft order, after the Miami Dolphins have traded out of pick number three. Initially it was, well it is, with the San Francisco 49ers who trade the 12th overall selection, a third round pick, and then two future first round picks to the Dolphins, to move from 12 to number three overall. It's a clear sign they're going after their quarterback. At number three, they'll follow up the picks of Jacksonville and the New York Jets, the 49ers currently picking third. It moved Miami back to 12 overall. They immediately uh, trade the 12th pick and a future first round pick to move up to the sixth overall selection, with the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Eagles pick up a future first-round pick to move back six spots to 12 overall. So, your updated draft order, as we look at the order 1 through 12, Jacksonville, New York Jets, San Francisco 49ers, Falcons, Bengals pick fifth, Dolphins now pick sixth, Lions, Panthers, Broncos, Cowboys round out the top 10, and because this affects the top 12 picks in the draft the Giants pick 11th and currently picking 12th the Philadelphia Eagles there's speculation that the Eagles were trying to trade from six to three to go after Zach Wilson and when that did not come to fruition when it ended up being the San Francisco 49ers they said you know what we'll trade back pick up some future picks they could end up with three first-round picks next year if Carson Wentz plays to a certain level in Indianapolis.
3: Now, they need a receiver very badly. The speculation is that Miami, if they're not still in range of a quarterback, like maybe like all the quarterbacks, and they say, hey, we'll take the last quarterback, um, or that they want a receiver or Pits there, uh, six would be a prime spot for a top receiver. Here would have been for the Eagles as well. Now the Eagles could get a good receiver at, at 12, uh, but a better receiver for Miami at six, and that's one of their big charges for Tua here, is to get him weaponry. Uh, one of Devonte Smith that we talked about this week is one of the guys that's that's being talked about for Miami, and for which Tua. would be a reconnection for Tua. Um, So Jamar Chase could also
2: be in that range because they're picking six. Then the quarterbacks are going to go fast.
3: Yeah. So uh very interesting day. And uh, I think fun for all of us that this happens early instead of draft week or even draft day because it gets to reset the whole thing. And now the whole top 12 mock thing is a new game. And
2: keep in mind. Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. Adam Schefter tweeted out right after the trade that he spoke with someone in San Fran, higher up at the organization, that told him that Garoppolo is their guy. He's their guy this year. He has a no-trade clause. So until he agrees to a trade, there is no trade. But
3: draft weekend
2: is intriguing for them at the quarterback spot because you don't give up two future first rounds to move up to this level of the draft without having your quarterback in mind. Uh, Many think that Trey Lance is the third-best quarterback in this draft. Some have Mac Jones as high as the third-best behind Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, who's going to go number one overall to, to Jacksonville. Don't forget about Justin Fields being in the mix. And the Atlanta Falcons picking fourth now are in a very intriguing position because they can draft their quarterback of the future, they can draft an offensive lineman to help with protection. They can get better in the trenches. They
3: could draft pits.
2: They could draft pits at tight end. Or they could also trade yeah. out based on the, the moves that we're seeing and the precedent being made for what it's going to take to move up in this now, draft. Now, it seemed
3: to me if they're going to trade, that would more likely be draft day because I think the team that would come up, it would depend on which quarterback's left, right? If you're Carolina and you're coming up, well, which quarterback's left there for me?
1: What's the market like for Jimmy G? I think that's a huge question, right? I mean, if, if, they, if they're going to make a trade and he's going to be you know, dealt because of all this, how hot is that market for
3: Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: <coughs> not very. Well, he's won whenever he's been available and not injured. Um, and, not
3: very hot, though. His contract's tough, I think. Um, oh, it's and, a huge contract. And his recent film is bad. Um, So I I think there are select places where they feel like. But you're going to have to be running an offense that's not going to carry you, right? Uh, We talk about New England. I think he could work in New England. But if you're going for a new New school offense that's going to open it up and count on the quarterback to to be the guy, I I think Garoppolo doesn't endear that sort of confidence right now, and you'd rather draft.
1: I would be shocked if it's not Fields or Wilson, depending on who goes second. To San Francisco, like that's the option to me. For what and who knows what Kyle Shanahan's thinking? This whole thing, but it doesn't feel like it's it's well, Justin he, Fields.
2: Zach Wilson could go number two overall to the Jets.
1: That's what I'm saying. Whoever the Jets take, if it's, if it's it, and it, now maybe they stick with Darnold also. But I'm saying it's one of those two guys. <laughs> whoever falls to you at three, I don't and they know. They both could be available at three. See, too. I don't
2: see Justin Fields as a Kyle Shanahan guy. No, me neither. The, the Kyle Shanahan move Boop. is, yeah, it's to me, it's Zach Wilson or Trey Lance in that spot. Um, I, I, I agree. Uh, Fields uh, deserves more credit for uh, his arm and uh, his ability to maneuver out of the pocket. Is Fields
1: and Arthur Smith guy. I uh,
2: could be. That yeah, four. could be. I, I'm trying to picture in my mind what <laughs> Shanahan would be after to run that offense, and uh, Mac Jones is also uh, should also be mentioned for that too. Because you don't move up to three unless you know that the guy is going to be on the board regardless of what the Jets do. You don't give up the picks you gave up in March. You do that on draft night.
3: And listen, I know quarterbacks move up, move up, move up, move up. The Mac Jones was being talked about, you know, eighteenth, twentieth. Is he now what first half dozen guys?
2: It it is quarterback in every other position this time of year. But I mean, so if you if you feel like. You've got your future quarterback, you draft him in the first round, and you you pay a price to go get him, period.
3: Absolutely. doesn't matter where they're ranked. But, I mean, I I need to look back. We're talking now, what, five or six? got Lawrence, Wilson, uh, Fields, Lance, Lance. Jones is fifth. Yes. Yes. Talking about five conceivably in the first six or seven.
2: Sure.
3: Five in the first six? When have we seen that? Well, you're going to see top ten. I mean,
2: Carolina's likely taking one of them.
3: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised still to see Carolina make a move. I don't think Carolina's going to say, well, we'll take the last one. Carolina's hell-bent on getting themselves a star quarterback. And now with Deshaun Watson not looking like somebody that you'd go and trade for, which I think they really wanted to do, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Carolina make a dramatic move here, maybe with the Jets. If the, if the Jets feel like they're going to stick with Darnold.
2: Could be. Yeah, The number two is is open for discussion if, if Darnold is their guy.
3: But I wonder if if the Jets haven't. That Jets relationship with San Francisco based on Sayla lends me to believe that San Francisco is dealing there with the number three pick and the Dolphins because it didn't feel like it had to deal with the Jets for the number two pick. Don't, don't, wouldn't you buy that kind of thinking? Unless it loves two guys, like you're saying. Unless right. It, unless, unless they'll take Lance or Wilson. But
2: we all agree. They, you don't make a move like this unless you're going to get your QB. Oh, oh, no, it's a quarterback move.
3: Yeah, it's a quarterback move for sure. May
1: I bring up one headline that jumped out to me yesterday? Please do. We talked about Will Wade on this show. The FBI investigation into Will Wade and LSU basketball continues. Not even closed yet. Which leads me to believe they have more on Will Wade. And Javante
3: Smart, the guy
1: being investigated, is still playing <laughs> at LSU. Is that not amazing? Both of
3: them will be in the ring I mean, but is when this uh,
1: We discussed concludes. it, but it's incredible that he remains employed through all of this. And I guess now it's, you can just fall back on, well, we're waiting for the investigation to close. Once the FBI is done with it and we know the info in there, then we'll make a judgment on Will Wade and whether or not he's still the coach. But it's still remarkable that he's still the coach, and the FBI investigation, which has been going on for a while now, continues but only looking into Will Wade and LSU basketball. I think they've shut the door on other, the other programs. They're continuing to look into Will Wade.
3: NCAA has to be relieved that LSU isn't hanging any banners from anything that's gone on during this uh, because we know how foolish they look when they take the banners down. Yeah, so, so no ceremony happen. to put them up so you don't have to have a, a unceremony to take them down so that a a bar can bid on them to put them up in the bar where you could go visit the banner, which everybody still believes is legitimate anyway after you've won it, despite the fact that people were sanctioned after the fact.
1: They need the uh, they would have if LSU kept winning, they would need the basketball equivalent of Tim Peel the NHL ref, (laughs) that in the second half says, I really needed to get seven fouls quickly on LSU. So I had to get fouls going early on LSU because that was the mandate from the NCAA.
3: What's the weekend hold? You've got T-ball, but it's going to get rained out. T-ball
1: rained out last night was going to be the season opener for my five year old. Now tomorrow morning, 9 AM, fingers crossed, no bad weather and we get to play this.
3: Simon's got two baseball games tomorrow, potentially rained out. Then... You see how the Sunday tournament schedule works out, and hopefully you can play baseball and soccer, but it depends if they win or lose at baseball and what time those games are. And, of course, it could be a entire wash of a weekend with no You've got a game. smorgasbord of kids' sports this weekend. I'm excited Soccer, baseball, everything. I love it, but uh, I hate the fact that we're watching the weather apps. Now, are you coaching or you just get to watch? No, I'm just uh, watching and trying to keep my traps shut. So, that he so he doesn't come over and say, I asked you not to...
1: Not that I hate coaching. It's, it's not something I dread. Oh, you it's know, fun at you But it's also... Um, I can't wait until I'm in a position just to sit in the stands or lean up against a fence and watch. You say and that. have no other responsibility but to get my kid there and to watch the game. You
3: say that, but then you get to a certain age, and then when you're watching somebody else do it, you're really compelled to say, well, if I was out there, these kids would I have don't... their damn gloves on the ground in the infield and be yeah. baseball ready all the time.
1: I'll probably have a little Said bit of thoughts. that. But you coached also, so you know it. I think now that I've done it, if one parent says a word to me about anything – I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm, out. I'm not, out of the contest. Yeah, I'm not gonna have a, a very good response to it. I was telling Hutton that I'm gonna be pitching. The coach pitch the kids, and if some parent complains about my pitching and that I didn't pitch it the right way to their kid, my Here's response is to hand them the ball and Here's say, "Go ball. ahead, you got next inning." Please, I'd love to sit back there where you are right now and just watch the kids go out there and play. Parent,
3: contentious parents kids yeah. Oh, I don't think it's going to happen. Guaranteed to happen. There's not a lot of Koharskis in so our it group, begins. so it's not going to be and that so way. So it begins. Only when you play everywhere. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Paul's got a reputation where he goes around tournaments and uh, he's gotten into parents in Mount Juliet. We had people of the old show call in talk about not how with, much of an ass Paul made of himself parents. you know yelling at parents and yelling like no at other kids with, didn't with you the, yell at other kids well, at one point too well i mean
3: some of these tournaments take you to very red areas that quite frankly need some painting and i did some painting yeah with your it's too red to it kids. Says it's redder than your shirt <laughs> but they're
2: good at sports i believe you lost to
1: a team in a red area right
3: yeah, the I mean, we, uh, we lose to some teams that are composed of kids that play baseball all day long because they don't go to school.
2: <laughs> you mean their parents don't? You're questioning their academics. Their parents now? don't pay coaches to uh, coach yeah. them up and win baseball games at that level, so they just go and play. So they just go play.
3: No, they're not I, recruited I'm sure they're on they're all-star coached teams. All day long, they're coached to yip. They take them out to yip practice at ten o'clock in the morning. Okay, here's how you torture another eight-year-old baseball player: scream yip. Yep, yep.
1: Paul's hatred of children
3: continues. No, my hatred of, of parents of those children.
2: It's teaching them one of your rules, which is poise, yeah. which apparently your team didn't have much of that day.
3: Yeah. Not, not the first time too. that. It was psychological torture, and our kids weren't ready for it. I admit it. We didn't know to get them ready Here, here's for psychological great. torture at seven.
1: Here's what's great about uh, Paul. If it was anyone else's kid or anything in any other sporting yep. way of life, Paul's response to anything would be, just hit it. D- don't miss it. You swung and missed it. How, why'd you miss it? Don't. It doesn't matter. Someone's yapping. Just hit it.
3: That's your response. We to everything. tell our kids. Uh, that, you, you know, Todd. Todd's big thing. One of my friends who, my kid's no longer playing with his kid right now. But it was a, just throw strikes. Just throw strikes. We tell all our pitchers. That's <laughs> actually a ball. pretty
1: good rule in youth baseball. Just get it across the plate. If play. you get uh, a kid know, who can just throw strikes, you're you're. Yeah. That's half the battle.
3: But as if that's helping the kids when the kid's struggling yeah. on the mound. We're then like, he's like, just throw it. strikes, buddy. Just throw strikes.
2: Well, I umpired whenever I was uh, in high school um, as a summer job, and I would tell the coaches and the kids prior to the game, I have a wide strike zone. The goal is to put the bat on the ball. I'm not going to sit here and walk around the bases and let, you know, I, I'm not going to have a tight strike zone. We're going a foot outside, a foot inside. You better put the bat on the ball. Ah, We're hey, going to get this thing going. Guys we got 45 minutes. Plate. We're going to get this game they over. They swung one. the bat. They may strike out, but we had contact, and it felt more like a game. There's a certain That's level. So smart. There is a certain level of junior league baseball that is just horrible to sit through and watch, because these kids, kids can't sit there, throw strikes. they don't, they can't throw strikes, and the kids, the Play coaches will send them up to the plate and just take until there's a strike. Yeah. And you could go, you know, seven, eight batters oh, yeah. without actually putting the, bat well, on the, the ball. the worst of the
1: coaches, well, say take two forward. strikes. A kid struggling with his control, oh. and they say, take two, you get two strikes. And I'm thinking that's there should not be a rule.
2: Well,
3: I do that still. I go, hey, hasn't hasn't thrown a strike at seven pitches. You say that to the kid that's struggling say the say that mouth? to the kid that's batting.
1: Oh, but the kid pitching can also hear
3: it. Well, I mean, I want to So Paul has a problem with yipping
1: it. from right. the other team, but a parent in the stand yeah, pointing out that a 10-year-old hasn't thrown a strike in seven right. pitches. I'm telling the kid okay. at plate to be smart about what he's looking at. Oh, that's just amazingly bad. <laughs> no, it's not,
2: it's Let bad. the coach who's making six figures do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Let the former major league player coaching your band- team do
3: that.
2: Yeah, he's getting paid to coach that team. There's yeah, no doubt.
3: Not six figures.
2: No doubt. Hey, um, get paid through FanDuel.com this weekend. FanDuel.com/slash OK360. You can follow us for the parlay. If you missed that, if you missed that, you can go back and see our How top. How refund
3: you if the Zags don't win?
2: Well, it's a five dollar bet for new users. Five dollars can win you one hundred and fifty dollars. Thirty to one odds for new users across the state of Tennessee. Sign up. You take the Zags. Again, this is a straight-up bet. 30-1 to odds on any team remaining in the tournament. FanDuel.com slash OK360. Enjoy the Sweet 16. We are back on Monday where we will be previewing matchups to determine the full slate of the final eight, the elite eight across the NCAA tournament. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you Monday at noon Eastern, 11 Central, right here on Outkick 360. Coming up in two hours, Outkick the Show with Clay Travis. Stay tuned.
3: Listen, we talk about blocking the box. The uh, Ever Given is an all-time box blocker. It's wedged in the Suez Canal, causing a giant economic crisis. This is what could happen if you don't get the hell out of the intersection. (laughs) Don't block the box. Do lock the locks.